This week in KMA Land, Page County Supervisor Chuck Morris resigns. Holmes elected Page County Board Chair. Olson named Montgomery County Supervisor's Chair. Japanese exchange student gets Clarinda Homecoming. And remembering a KMA Land space pioneer. I'm Mike Peterson. Page County started 2023 with another development at the courthouse, this time the resignation of a supervisor. After six years on the Page County Board of Supervisors, 3rd District Supervisor Chuck Morris submitted a letter of resignation effective Wednesday morning. First elected in 2016, Morris won a second full term on the board in 2020. In an interview with KMA News, Morris cited increasing rhetoric and vitriol as reasons for leaving. The last three years has been pretty difficult uh, with all of the uh, controversy and the vitriol in our communities over the wind issue. I really didn't see a a peaceful path forward. And at my age and uh, with my desire to to be a servant, uh, I didn't see that as the best opportunity. So my wife and I uh, collectively kind of talked things over and decided that uh, now would be a good time to uh, exit the position of Supervisor District 3. Morris says he's sorry for not fulfilling his second term to completion. My intention clearly was to uh, fulfill that, but circumstances have created uh, a situation where I'm changing who I am. I'm a servant heart at heart, and that servant heart is becoming a hardened heart because of all the vitriol and uh, and hate and uh, all the things that go on in a community through social media and through public meetings, uh, just simply had enough, and uh, uh, it's time to time to go on. In his six years on the board, Morris points to many projects that were completed to improve the county, most notably an extensive upgrade to the county's emergency communication system, which had plagued police and first responders for years with dead spots and poor reception. We were on an analog system when I was elected. There were many, many problems. Those uh, digital problems have been solved. Uh, with the digital uh, implementation of the digital radio system. Uh, So that, to me, is a major accomplishment. It's not perfect, but it is light years beyond where we were seven years ago. Morris also points to improvements in the worker safety culture of the county, his work serving on various boards in the area, including for Southwest Iowa Mental Health and Disability Services region, and all of the people he's been able to meet as highlights of his time. As part of his resignation, Morris announced that he and his wife sold their Clarinda home in mid-December and rented from the buyers through Wednesday when his residency in the county ended. In the wake of Morris's resignation, county officials began the process of filling his vacancy. Page County Auditor Melissa Willehausen told KMA News there is a couple of options to fill the vacancy, the first of which would be by appointment from a committee of herself, County Recorder Brenda Esaias, and County Treasurer Angie Dow. Wellhausen says the process is similar to what is conducted in 2017 when Alan Armstrong was appointed to the board. Basically that process was we posted it, we asked for anybody interested to basically complete a resume and a cover letter and send it in. And then the three of us met and basically interviewed candidates and then moved forward with which candidate we felt was the best selection at that time. Officials would need to appoint a successor to Morris by 40 days after his resignation. However, the same committee can also call for a special election to fill the position per state law. Additionally, if an appointment is made, Wellhausen says residents can also petition for a special election up to 14 days after the selection. We would just move forward with the with a special election, uh, it, it just moves through that whole process. And then we have to, you know, of course, then 
the auditor's office would need time to get that election set up and then administer it and then look at the calendar to make sure we have the correct dates and everything and the time in there. She adds there would be a cost associated with a special election, mainly due to the election being countywide with at-large voting. Melhausen says she, Isaias, and Dow hope to reach a consensus on the next steps moving forward by early next week. Now, those interested in being appointed to the position or have input on which process the county should pursue were asked to reach out the, to the auditor, treasurer, or recorder's offices. As one supervisor was leaving, the county's newest supervisor arrived. On Tuesday morning, the board held its annual reorganizational meeting for 2023. During the meeting, Supervisor Jacob Holmes was named board chair and newly elected Supervisor Todd Mayer vice chair. Additionally, by a two-to-one vote, the board voted to strike a resolution that would have designated the county engineer to execute certification on their respective projects. Holmes, who voted in favor along with Mayher, says he wants to ensure the majority of the decisions made on a significant road or bridge projects are run by the board beforehand. Whenever they go out and do it, like we've had happen several times, and he's supposed to be the one to look at it and say, okay, good, and he can say good on our behalf, and I, I want to know when it happens, so maybe we can go out and look at it ourselves with him and make sure we're good with it so we don't have people coming in here and pointing out things that were okay that should have never been okay that's happened couple different times. So. Supervisor Chuck Morris initially made the motion to approve the authorization as presented. However, the motion died for lack of a second. Additionally, the board approved a resolution setting the county holidays for 2023 by a two-to-one vote without adding Juneteenth to the list of days off. Almost as he wants to ensure the courthouse is open as much as possible. I'm thinking on that reason, I, I wasn't thinking it should be on there, is we need to be open uh, be all we can. And, and might give opportunity for people who maybe do have off to come in here. So, And Morris cast the known dissenting vote on the county holiday list. The board also unanimously approved leaving the Clarinda Herald Journal and the Valley News as the county's official newspapers for now. However, Holmes says they should try and find ways to reduce the cost, which he says is currently $15,000 a year to publish all the necessary documents, including meeting minutes. Other items approved by the board include allowing the county assessor to handle homestead, military, and or family farm forms, dog licenses, a construction evaluation resolution, and utilities. However, the board tabled any action on board member appointments, applicants to fill vacancies, and the other county boards and commissions, and appointing or reappointing township clerks and trustees until next week. Also this week, the Page County Compensation Board voted to recommend an 11% increase for the county sheriff, auditor, recorder, treasurer, and attorney, and 5% for the Board of Supervisors. Two citizen representatives of the supervisors and one each from the auditor, recorder, treasurer, attorney, and sheriff comprise the comp board's membership. Compensation Board Chair Dan Comer says the fourth and approved recommendation falls within their targeted range. At least the numbers that I have and showing somewhere in that you know, 9 to 13% range is where at least the averages are saying. I'm not saying it should or shouldn't be, but we obviously can't get off until um, we have some more information to discuss. Other suggestions that failed to garner enough votes included 10% for all elected officials and 5% for the supervisors and 12% for the sheriff, 10% for all their elected officials and 5% for the supervisors. 
Beth Ann Tillman serves as one of the representatives of the supervisors. Tillman had recommended 10% salary increases for the sheriff, auditor, attorney, 8% treasurer and recorder, and 5% increase for the board of supervisors. I think it's reasonable to consider the personal um, liabilities or even the differences in the um, roles that we are considering. So to me personally, um, if you get calls after hours, um, not things that are, I don't want to say optional, but you put your life on the line, you get calls in the middle of the night, you have personal liability. I think there should be a distinction made for that. It seems reasonable. That's how it works in the ordinary workforce. Prior to the final approval, Supervisor Jacob Holmes advised that the recommendations would likely still be adjusted as needed come budget time. The approval from the Compensation Board was a 5-1 to one vote, with Tillman casting the lone dissenting vote. Montgomery County's Board of Supervisors had its changing of the guard for county leadership this week. Meeting in regular session Tuesday morning, the board held its annual reorganizational meeting and unanimously appointed Supervisor Mike Olson as board chair and Charlotte Smith as vice chair. Supervisor Donna Robinson made the motion for the appointments and also thanked now previous chair Mark Peterson, who said he would not pursue the role for a second year for taking on the position. And that being said, I will say thank you for doing it and putting in uh, the time this past year. But at this point, I would like to make a motion to appoint Mike Olson as chairman and Charlotte Schmidt as vice chair for this board for calendar year 2023. Additionally, the board approved its appointments to the various commissions within the county, most of which remain the same from the previous year. However, Robinson updated the board on the situation with the Southwest Iowa Planning Council Committee, on which she represents the board. She says the committee representative will change after former Red Oak City Administrator Brad Wright submitted his resignation in November. She adds Schmidt would still serve as the board's alternate, while Red Oak Councilman Brian Bills will serve as the community alternate. The board also voted to leave its meeting schedule at 8.30 a.m. every Tuesday, designated county holidays for 2023 as well. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst was in KMA land Thursday. One of her stops was in Glenwood, where she fielded several questions on the possibility of repurposing the closing Glenwood Resource Center into a care facility for aging veterans. Ernst appeared at a town hall at the Glenwood American Legion as she kicked off her 99-county tour for 2023. Dennis Kelly is an area resident and a veteran. He says there are over 40,000 veterans in western Iowa alone, but there's only one state-run veterans home located over three hours away in Marshalltown. If I was to need a veterans home, I can't go over across the river and use the one just 20 miles from here. I'd have to go all the way to Cedar Rapids or wherever that other one is. It's a long drive. Uh, I know you're not directly involved in the funding of that, but federal money is involved to a degree. It's mostly a state issue, but you're really close with the governor. And we got to get that through the legislature this year. While calling it primarily a state issue for Iowa, Ernst says she would support more facilities like the one in Marshalltown in the western part of the state. The one in Marshalltown, it's a, it is a really great example of what the state can do to assist veterans um, if they should decide to do something here on the western side of the state. Clorinda has also expressed interest in, in hosting veterans. Um, so, again, a, a state issue but it is one that, that we can 
work with the governor, with the state legislature, and others that would be involved in the disposition of the property. Burn stop in Glenwood was the second of three planned stops in southwest Iowa Thursday, including a broadband roundtable in Red Oak. Members of the Montgomery County Economic Development Corporation's Broadband Committee met with the senator to outline the situation regarding access to fiber optic internet services. Jason Orm is a member of the committee. Orm tells KMA News a good portion of the fiber that's been provided in the more rural areas came courtesy of grant funding such as the USDA's Rural Developments Reconnect program. However, communities such as Red Oak are in a unique situation that withholds them from grant funding. Lots of our community members are seeing fiber go in in the county and in rural areas, and that's because uh, a lot of these telecommunications companies have received grants to uh, get fiber in some of those rural areas, but because of um, the self-reporting nature of speeds inside uh, Red Oak city limits, uh, Red Oak actually doesn't qualify for a lot of these reconnect grants. Farmers Mutual Telephone Company had submitted an early $37 million project application for the USDA's Reconnect 3 program that would have provided fiber to a number of communities, including Red Oak, but was denied primarily due to the services in the area that met the federal requirement for Internet speeds to be considered served at 100 megabytes download and 20 megabytes upload. Following her meeting with the MCDC committee, Ernst acknowledged that programs such as ReConnect have not made the intended impact in mid-sized rural communities such as Red Oak, and more pressure should be put on the current large providers. We're stumbling in some of these smaller communities like Red Oak or more of mid-sized communities in actually getting that fiber to the home. We still have a lot of coax cable that comes into our homes. And so to draw younger people, employees that want to work remotely, we have to have that high-speed internet access. And we just don't have that capability being provided by some of these major providers right now. However, Orm adds some progress has been made between the MCDC and FMTC after the Stanton-based company agreed to lay fiber in a new housing development on the north end of Red Oak. Officials with FMTC had previously said the basic infrastructure is in place in Red Oak to slowly begin installing fiber to the home. As the Republican-controlled U.S. House of Representatives struggled to elect a speaker this week, some new faces entered the Capitol building. Among them, Zach Nunn, who was officially sworn in as Iowa's third congressional district representative in the 118th Congress. A former member of both the Iowa State House and Senate and a former Air Force pilot, Nunn defeated Democratic incumbent Cindy Axney in November. Nunn calls the new position an honor. Walking into Congress where, you know, only 12,000 people in America's history have served, uh, it reminds you of the importance of listening to your district, knowing your constituents, and being able to be a champion for them here in the nation's capital. Since his election in November, Nunn says he has been busy building out his team. Nunn says he's focused particularly on constituent services, which includes new field offices in Creston, Des Moines, and Ottumwa. I really want people to be able to walk in the door and talk to a live person about their priorities, issues that they're having. We're also going to have a mobile office, which is going to be going around meeting at libraries, community centers, VFWs, taking on specific issues so that all 21 counties in the new 3rd District get to have their voice heard, and I can best be their advocate in Washington, D.C. Now that he's been seated in Congress, Nunn says he's ready to get to work for Iowa. He says his first priority is to get a handle on rising inflation nationwide. Nunn made his comments in an interview with KMA shortly before the opening of the congressional session.
Clorinda renewed its ties with a special friend Wednesday afternoon. Local residents celebrated the return of former exchange student Manami Murakami and her husband Takashi with a homecoming reception at the Glenn Miller Birthplace Museum. Manami spent the 1991-92 school year at Clarinda High as an exchange student from Tamada, Japan, Clarinda's sister city. During her year-long stay in the community, Manami experienced some culture shocks. For example, Clarinda was smaller than Tamada a city with a population of around 45,000. It's a lot smaller, but I thought it's a very beautiful city with a broad uh, corn and soybean field and then really beautiful buildings and then a lot of trees and animals like deer or rabbits and cardinals. So, well, my first impression was that just beautiful and then the People are so nice and kind and caring. In addition to participating in Clarinda High's band, Manami's favorite memories are spending time with a friend she made and with her host couple, Marvin and Jean Negley. Communications were not easy at times. You know, my English wasn't really good. First, uh, first I came to Clarinda. The first, war, uh, first sentence or first question Marvin said was, are you tired? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know? So my English wasn't that good. Over the years, Manami returned to Clarenda numerous times to serve as interpreter for the Tamada Girls High School Band, a regular staple of the Glenn Miller Festival. Manami hopes others will visit Clarenda to enjoy the same hospitality as she did more than three decades ago. This week also marked the passing of a space pioneer from KMA Land. Former astronaut Walter Cunningham died Tuesday in Houston at the age of 90. Born in Creston in 1932, Cunningham and his family moved to California eight years later, where he graduated from Venice High School in 1950. He then enlisted in the U.S. Navy a year later, then served as a fighter pilot in the U.S. Marine Corps from 1953 to 56. After earning bachelor's and master's degrees in physics from UCLA, Cunningham applied for and was accepted to the third group of NASA astronauts in 1963. In a 2002 interview with KMA News, Cunningham recalled that he had enough of the right stuff to become an astronaut. I envied those guys that were already there, so I applied and later learned I was one of 777 qualified applicants, I guess, and eventually they selected 14 of us. In October 1968, Cunningham flew with fellow astronauts Wally Schirra and Don Isley aboard Apollo 7. It was the first major test of the Apollo Command Module and the first crewed space flight since the Apollo 1 fire that killed three astronauts in January 1967. While saying the crew felt the pressure from Congress for a successful mission, uh, Cunningham added they were confident that the spacecraft wouldn't function properly. We had a lot of confidence in the spacecraft. Uh, I'd lived with it day and night sometimes, tested it, uh, whatever. Uh, I felt like there was no one else in the world that knew as much overall about the spacecraft as I did. So I felt quite comfortable flying it. Despite being named to NASA's Skylab program, Cunningham never flew in space again. After leaving NASA in 1971, Cunningham became a successful businessman, hosted a radio talk show in Houston, and wrote a controversial book entitled The All-American Boys, offering a revealing look at the space program. Cunningham returned to Creston in 2002 to serve as Grand Marshal of the 10,000 Crestonians 4th of July Parade. That wraps up this week in KMA Land.
listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com. You can also hear this program in its entirety. From the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.